Welcome back to the resort. You, you can you can hear the music. It it means it means we're doing the thing again. It is a Friday. Uh, this remains the Lars Resort with me, Lars Everton, a podcast that is. Uh, I did everything in wrong order there, didn't I? It's a podcast. That, do I actually have to say the same thing every time? I don't think so. But you get the gist. It still is a podcast with me, Lars Everton, uh, brought to you by Beton. Pretty busy, Lars Everton, uh, this week. Lots of stuff going on. But we're getting uh, very, very close to the book being published. Publication date is the 2nd of November, and I have actually had. Uh, I got my hands on a physical copy for the first time, which is quite cool. I, I do enjoy uh, having a book uh, in my hand that I have, in fact, written. That's that's a new one for me. Definitely enjoyed that. Um, and hopefully soon enough, quite a few of you guys will also have that uh, a book in your hand that I have written. I am hoping. Please buy my book. Uh, but uh, for today, I thought well, what I wanted to do was... Uh, talk about something that we haven't uh, addressed at all, almost, I think, on the resort. Um, uh, partially because I wanted to get someone else in, because we've had the, the ongoing transfer, transfer saga, takeover saga at Man United. I just kind of dealt myself out there, because all the discourse, the news, it was all just based on um, uh, anonymous sort of PR briefings from the people involved. And I was just, I don't know, I can't be dealing with these sort of constant Fabrizio Romano updates about who Sheikh Yassi may or may not buy which all seemed like complete bollocks to me, because that's just not right. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, it just had very little credibility, that whole thing. Uh, for me, it was just very little transparency. It was very hard to take any of it seriously. Um, and it turns out, uh, instead, we're not going to get Sheikh Yassim anyway. We're going to get uh, big Jim Radcliffe. So Jim Radcliffe is coming in. What does that mean? Well, he's, he's taken this sort of um, unusual, they're going to have an unusual arrangement in which he becomes a minority uh, stakeholder buying 25%, uh, supposedly with a view to him gradually buying up the rest of the club. But intriguingly, uh, he's going to be uh, taking over the sporting side of things, at least so it is reported. Uh, quite an unusual arrangement. But I suppose I suppose it's no real secret at this point that the Glazers are mostly there just to kind of ch- cash in. You know, they're, they're, Their father made an incredible uh, transaction, an incredible deal. Uh, the, the Glazer kids just happened to have you know, inherited this cash cow that they intend on milking continuously, whereas actually running a football club, whether they want to or not, I don't know, but it, it must be clear even to them that they haven't been great at it, uh, certainly on the, in the sporting side of things. So getting someone else in who's keen to take over that, it, w- it would kind of make sense, wouldn't it? Except that raises the issue. I mean, if you're a Man United fan or just a casual a football intro fan of a different club, you might think, well, anyone surely can run this better than the Glazers have done. I mean, I think post Sir Alex Ferguson's retirement, the money they've spent and how little they've gotten back for it, it's, it's almost unprecedented. Certainly, I can't think of any other example of of a club spending that much and and achieving so little. So, so surely anything will be better. And I would understand if you thought that way. But anything's better than this is a statement that I feel is always wrong. <laughs> Things can always get worse in life, dear friends. So the question is, with Jim Radcliffe coming in, what does he bring? What does he offer? Because, of course, as you, I'm sure you know, he has some experience in club ownership before. Uh, and I do watch a bit of French football, but I don't follow it as closely as others. I particularly don't follow it as closely as my good friend and longtime partner in crime, uh, Andy Brassel. Who uh, we we certainly had on the English on the Norwegian language OG pod has he been since we became the Lars Resort? I don't think so. Well, that is a dreadful oversight that we must rectify immediately. So let's bring in Andy Brassel to tell us what kind of owners 
have uh, Ineos and Sir Jim Radcliffe been of Nice in Liga? Are there any signs in his time in charge of Nice to suggest that he's any good at this? And what can Man United fans expect? I think Andy Brassel hopefully will have some answers for us uh, in that regard. Uh, so, Andy, thank you very much for taking the time to Pleasure. come and uh, visit the Lars Resort. It's going to be a brief visit, but a sweet one, I believe. Um, <laughs> I, I think we have, we're going to have quite a few Man United fans listening because, you know, law of averages suggests that you know, usually quite a few Man United fans listening to at, they exist. Uh, any given podcast, any given time. Uh, and they're probably very curious right now about the, what the future holds because we've had this takeover drama for so long. Uh, what we know now is that they're not going to become a Qatari state asset. Some of them might be sad about that. Some of them might be relieved, depending on where you come down on that whole thing. But what they are going to do, they're going to get a new minority owner. A minority owner who's apparently going to have sporting control, which is a slightly odd one. but Very uh, odd. But, but, but given that we, we kind of know the Glazers are in it for the money anyway, it does kind of make sense. Like if someone mm. can come in and run it better for them, they probably wouldn't mind. So, so Jim Radcliffe is coming in. Uh, or Big Jim, as I feel very... For some reason, I just want to call him Big Jim. I'm not quite sure why that is. Big Brexit fracking Jim. Yeah, big, yeah that's also something you yeah. can call him. Big, Big Jim. Uh, he's coming on, and one of the selling points is that he has done this before. He has owned a football club before. He has the bicycle guy on board, uh, so Dave Brailsford. Yeah. Um, but I want to ask you, because you watch a lot more French football than I do, and you've lived there, and you have your finger on the pulse. He has owned the club before. He owns Nice. How's that gone, Andy? Oh, what a complex question. You invite me into the last resort for like 15 minutes and I've got to answer a question like that. That's, that's really tricky. It's, um, I think you would have um, mixed responses depending on who you've spoken to. And obviously, part of those responses are coloured by the fact that over the last year and a half, it has become clear that Jim Ratcliffe wants to buy Manchester United. It was mm. thought until very recently that that would represent a full buyout. And now it seems it might be a Ali Schuzman offer Arsenal um, purchase by stealth sort of business, or or indeed the Glazers. That's something mm. they did, isn't it? They they, mm. they they bought a minority stake and and, and built up from from there. Um, so the way that people in Nice feel generally, they for eighteen months feel as if they've been um, on the clock almost. That when Ratcliffe gets his hands into Manchester United, maybe they'll de be deprioritised. Mm. Now, he's given a number of public statements on this to say, look, I'm fully committed to Nice, um, nothing's going to change, etc., etc., etc. And, of course, you may have seen um, Patrick Vieira, who was uh, formerly his, his head coach at Nice, saying, oh, I, I found him um, great, he didn't interfere. Um, when I talked to him, it was just about, you know, family and you know, maybe maybe a light chat about football, but um, nothing major. Um, which I thought was a little bit disingenuous by Vieira because he said um, the, the, the underlying theme of what he said was Ratcliffe doesn't meddle. Whereas what I would have thought was obvious is he gets layers of management to do it for him. Mm -hmm. You know, why would why would he do that himself? Now, in in terms of where they've developed over the last five years. Um, Nice have, have, have done pretty well. So um, they already had a passionate fan base, a far more passionate fan base than Monaco, who are up the road, for example, and far so, more stories. So do you, I think, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> and um, 
you know, you in see between that. us, I think we'd get a better. <laughs> yeah, I think we would. Yeah, yeah. We'd, we'd fill the Stad Louis Deux a yeah, couple probably, of times over. Probably. Yeah, um, but, but I, I think you see, you see that when you have the derby between those two, and you know the, the games at Stad Louis Deux, it's, it's full of Nice fans rather than rather than Monaco fans. Um, so it's always been a case of how do you harness that? How do you add that to like the international side of the club? And take it on to the next level because, of course, you know it's a very, it's a massive travel hub. Um, it's, it's not that far Tourist from Italy. It? Yeah, exactly. You could you could build on it, and I think if you look at the infrastructure changes in the city as well, um, with improved public transport, particularly out to the stadium, yeah. which is really nice, but like previously was a bit of a pain to get to, whereas now now it's a bit easier, and you can get there directly from the airport now, which is which is a big thing as well. Um, and uh, he, he he spent a lot on uh, infrastructure in terms of a really nice new training ground, okay. and, and that all happened under under, under Vieira. Um, the, the thing is, <clears throat> they've been hinting at taking it to the next level for a long time. So when Ratcliffe arrived, he said, "Right, okay, we're going to become a fixture in the top three, mm. and then we're going to challenge from there." Yeah. Now, I guess that uh, has not happened. I have to say, no, it's it's, it's not. And in I, fact, league. I mean, people listening to this who will have looked up their league finishes and stuff, while well, they might have noticed that they've kind of gone down a little bit. Yeah, and I I think that part of that it's a little bit like when, if I can briefly correlate this to the um, the, the UK TV market for okay. football. Um, in in the previous twenty years, like I guess before BT Sport, you've you've got various um, other like sort of you know minority stakeholder in okay. the Premier League, like broadcasters like Satanta and ESPN, who've come in and gone, we're going to take on Sky. I think you get there into Liga and say we're going to take on PSG and we're going to make it difficult with them, and they go, oh, actually, shit, they've got more money than God. Maybe that's <laughs> not happening. There's really no way of doing this. Yeah, yeah. It turned so, out that like signing uh, Ross Barkley and Aaron Ramsey was not the way to take on PSG. You see, that's all Dave Railsford. Yeah, which it's I, the bike guy. I, yeah, which I think is is really weird. Now he was made this sort no of no marginal like, gains to be had there. No, no, definitely not. Uh, I mean, <laughs> if there were gains, they were in fact marginal. Sorry, that's, so that's so right. marginal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So marginal, but you, you look at you look at that, and it reminds me of a, a little bit of when Clive Woodward um, sort of was given a role at Southampton, um, the, the the former England rugby coach, of course. Yeah. Um, because you know the, the idea is you know sporting brilliance is applicable to all fields, and it will be fine, and all, all all the rest of it. And they just ended up like trying to create this senior British spine, and just wasting a load of money really yeah. I mean you can't actually get him on the pitch I think we, we Schmeichel though were a bit disappointed he didn't take on more of a leadership role mm-hmm. it, it wasn't just his, 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 his form but but any, any anyway so there have been experiments with Ratcliffe of different ways to get it done I mean in, in terms of like you can never compete with PSG but I think finding a way to consistently get in the top three especially with the state of flux at Marseille, um, Monaco, Lyon in, in recent years, I think it's, it's a reasonable enough aim. But the idea seems to have just been, um, let's get loads of young players and then we'll get a, a star or two to sign um, to, to take us over the top. So mm. they t- signed the Nigerian striker, Terry Moffi, who could mm. come to the Premier League, for example. Um, but, but that 
seemed to be the end of an era rather than the start of it. Mm. Because they realised that, you know, just Brailsford and the, you know, elite sport knowledge wouldn't cut the mustard. Right, they, they got in... Um, they the, couldn't, like... The bicycle thing was not relevant, as it turned out. No, especially once the trams were working, so you could get exactly out to the right. stadium that way. You didn't need way. the bikes to get to the stadium. <laughs> I, I, it really does fascinate me. People who are like crazy successful in their field, who then tend to think, all right, I can do something completely different, and I'll be successful mm. there as well, because I'm brilliant, which is not how the world works. Exactly. And belatedly, um, they went and pinched um, the whole staff, led by Florent Gisolfi, the sporting director, from Lens, who obviously mm. have been very successful on making a moderate budget go a long way and qualifying for the Champions League where they've done pretty well this season and all that sort of stuff. But they give Gazolfi the job about halfway through last season. And then, and he brings like loads of his scouting staff with him. And then they get to the summer and it's like, oh yeah, you know all that money we, we promised you? Yeah, we, we haven't got it. So, 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 uh, well, why and, just because he's very rich? Sure, and you're, he's you're got the money. You're going to have to do it on a smaller budget. Well, that that to me, if there was a warning sign that I'm going to spend my money on United instead, yeah, that yeah. would be it. But now, the idea to take on United has been sort of brought down as well. You yeah. know, you know, it's, it's gone from like a full takeover to a 25 percent takeover. So it, it feels to me like shifting strands of strategy yeah and yeah he came up he came in in 2019 and just bare the bare bones here this was a team that had finished fourth and third a couple of years earlier who uh after sir jim big jim took over and had ambitions of being champions league regulars and take on the top three and all this they finished sixth ninth fifth and ninth that's not good it's all that's experimental not- isn't it <laughs> i mean in, in terms of the team it's all very experimental there's not been one sporting strategy that they've, they've stuck to, which, okay. like, as I've, I think, very long-windedly explained. So, yeah. that, that's 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 what the issue is, really. That they've they've sort of decided that they had an idea when they went in, then they changed their way of getting to that idea, and now they've changed what the aim itself is. Okay, because again, there was a piece in uh, the Guardian written by the lads from uh, yeah, from Get French Football News. Oh yeah, uh, Adam White is it. Uh, the lack of planning and joined up thinking left Nice with a talented but horribly disjointed squad. I feel like that's those are concepts that will be eerily familiar to Manchester United fans. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a worry, isn't it? I, I mean, I, th- I think the interesting thing is like people will look at it at the moment and think, oh, they're doing really well. But it's, it's one of those things where they've, they've just employed um, a, a young coach, um, Francesco Farioli, who... Um, has done some interesting work in Turkish football before. You can tell vibes with it, young players. Um, he's, he's really interesting uh, tactically, one to, one to watch. Um, and sometimes you just luck out with a coach, don't you? Yeah. Ob- yeah cause obviously, Because it's, yeah, it's going better today for people who aren't aware. They're second or something now. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, this that's, so that's far, right. Started, okay. But obviously, that's just the start. We don't know whether that will continue. And yeah. sometimes... You just luck out on the coach, you know. That's that's no um, sense of like great planning or anything like that. So it? so far to do with Big Jim, I'm hearing has over delivered, has over promised and under delivered. Fair has not had a concise strategy. Thought the bicycle dude would would fix things. Mm. That it's a bit of a muddle, but has invested in infrastructure. I mean, that's something Man United are crying out for. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess maybe a selling point, if he was here to defend himself, he would say, well, at least I have some experience of doing this. I've made some of these mistakes now. And yeah, I can... that, that's true. But like in, in terms of the infrastructure stuff that you were talking about, 
we're hearing it brief that he wants to be in control of the sporting side of it. Yeah, which is why I'm trying to get to here. Like, what will... It, it doesn't seem from his time at Nice that, some, that that's something that's gone particularly well. But, I, I mean, I think what Man United need, they, they, they do need that. But, you know, they're... they're I think their recruitment is improved in the last couple of years, but it's still not great and it's still not functional. And you still have the situation where they're bringing in players for a lot of money who are either miscast or they're not developing them properly. Mm. You know, which is, I think, one of the biggest concerns if you're Manchester United. So, at the very least, the people who are making those decisions at Manchester United in terms of uh, recruitment, scouting, performance analysis, they need help at the very least. Yeah. Now, I think if you look at the back end of what Ratcliffe has done at Nice, he belatedly realised that. So, if he was to be given... It still seems quite unprecedented to me for like a 25% shareholder. But if he was given um, control of the sporting side of it, if he beefs up that department... Because he didn't just bring in Gizolfi, he brought in his chief scout and mm. a couple of other scouts mm. and some analysts. So about half a dozen that they pinched from Lance in, 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 in the end and they'd been very sort of um, efficient over, over a number of years. So if he was to replicate a similar idea at Manchester United as part of the football strategy, that is exactly what they are looking for, yeah. I, I, would, I would suggest. So, so for them to go and spot a club that's doing this stuff better than them and pinch their key staff and bring them to Old Trafford. Yeah. 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 No, no, that, that, well, yeah, that does sound good in, in, in that regard. Uh, I, I just, it, there is something about how, he, he I'm, I saw a quote, like he was quite vocal about, well, he quite vocal, he said once in an interview that with Man United, you know, they've been the dumb money, they've made bad decisions and they've done this and that. Mm. And then he takes over a club in France and, and signs Ross Barkley. Like, I mean, under the circumstances, I don't think you're allowed to complain about other people being the dumb money. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe he just trusted the wrong people. Mm. And, and maybe maybe he's worked that out because I think the point to make about, about Ratcliffe, I mean, it's really interesting to hear lots of chat coming from his camp about what he'd do at, at United. Because going back to where we were at the beginning with what Vieira was saying, he's always been quite hands-off at, at Nice. So his brother, Bob, has done most of the day-to-day running of the club, at least at least until recently. He's entrusted it to other key people in his, his circle. So there's, there's no sense that he's trying to do it all, mm. or certainly not overtly trying to, trying to do it all. So I think... If he was given like this level of control at United, I think the f- most interesting thing from the off is the people that he appoints mm. to get shit done for him. All right, that's not, that sounds like a good place to end. Actually, thank you very much, Andy Brassel, for uh, enlightening us. Pleasure. Thank you. Okay, that, that I thought that was interesting. There, there was there was some stuff there for from Andy in terms of, I mean. It being a bit of a mess, I had noticed because I've seen the I've seen Nice play and I've noticed they haven't they haven't been that good. But also the idea that he seems to have made a few wrong moves, um, and Mr. Radcliffe and appointed the wrong people, and then kind of possibly belatedly uh, made some of the right moves after all. And 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 it's all about 
you know, he himself might not necessarily be running this or taking over this, but he, you got to keep a very keen eye on who he decides to bring in to fix this stuff for him. Uh, I think that's an interesting one and one to watch going forward for sure. Um, we can do a slight betting part at the end, can't we? I mean, it's almost the weekend. And my betting column is, I think it's on the internet now. I've certainly written it and submitted it and uh, various things I've looked at this weekend. And from memory, I don't have it in front of me, but... From memory, one of the things I like this weekend is over two and a half goals in uh, West Ham uh, versus Everton. And this is continuing on a little bit from the sort of XG chat of last week in that, uh, well, well, let's do Everton first. Their, their attacking numbers are better than their actual goals scored would suggest. Now, that is possibly because they've had a slightly kind fixture list. It's possibly because they just have a lot of finishers who are not very good at finishing yes maybe this is just a team that will always uh, underperform their xg a little bit because of lack of sharpness in the box but generally speaking if the team is generating a decent xg number going forward the goals will come right eventually and i, I do think this sort of uh, whacking balls into the box to Calvert-Lewin and, and Ducouré. I think that works. I think that'll work against a lot of teams. And West Ham, the way they approach the stuff under David Moyes, they tend to sit back. They tend to almost invite teams to put crosses in. They force them wide and say, all right, put crosses in. We can win challenges in the box. And I think with the big beefy boys that Everton put into the box, I think that might not necessarily work out in West Ham's favor. So I think Everton, I do believe they can go to the London Stadium and score at least one goal. Uh, now, that leaves us with West Ham. What can they do? Well, as we've spoken about, their defensive numbers look real bad. And okay, they they got thwacked by, by Villa last weekend. I think a lot of people are going to have trouble at Villa Park this season. But I, I think that is the beginning of, of a, a, perhaps a bit of a negative trend for West Ham of them conceding goals. Because they cannot keep conceding this uh, XG number. And, and not get punished eventually. And they've kind of gotten away with it so far, and I don't think they're going to keep getting away from with it. So either they have to start defending a lot better really quickly, or, or some bad tidings are coming West Ham's way. Uh, so I'm not convinced they'll keep a clean sheet at home, but, you know, they do have various ways of hurting opponents, don't they? I mean, they have the set pieces from Ward Prowse. They, they're quite good on the counter-attack. They've got, like, Paqueta and Mohamed Kudus in there. I was just thinking, I mean... Again, don't want to go all high horsey about playing styles because there, there are, there's more than one ways to skin a cat, right? As the saying goes, there's nothing wrong with being a sort of low block, counter attacking, set piece, direct team that, that can work. And I'm a big fan of, you know, if everyone's zigging, you can have some success by zagging. Like if everyone's doing one thing, doing something completely different also can be successful. So there's nothing against Moyes or West Ham for doing it that way. But I will permit myself to opine that. Like, sticking Lucas Paqueta and Mohamed Kudus into a team that, at the end of the day, primarily wants to play long balls to Mikel Antonio and, uh, and win set pieces for James Ward-Prowse. I mean, that, that is an act of sporting vandalism. Uh, those two guys should be playing in a team that has the ball more often and doesn't kick the ball quite so far away quite so often. Um, I, I would like to see that. And I do wonder if this could be some kind of... Kudus in particular, since he's not starting every game... That could develop into a bit of a culture war, I think, in, in West Ham land. You know, Moisey, unleash, unleash the kudus. We want to see him. I'm very interested in seeing how that progresses as the season goes on. But my point is, at home, you'd, you'd expect him to get at least one goal, a couple of goals maybe, against an Everton team that uh, is, uh, you know, not bad defensively, but mm, you don't really trust them either. So I, I think this could be... You might look at Everton and uh, West Ham and think that doesn't scream goal fest, but I actually think there are reasons to believe we'll have 
uh, more than two goals in this game. I think over two and a half goals. Priced at 177 uh, with bets on. I think that's an entirely like fair thing to back on the, the early game on the Sunday uh, between uh, two teams whose numbers tell a slightly different story from their results and league table position right now. And I think it all, personally think it all equates to goals. Okay, thanks for uh, hanging out with me uh again at the Lars resort um exciting times for me uh less than a week until the book comes out which feels feels pretty surreal uh but uh yeah cool cool stuff uh, please buy my book everyone <laughs> i'm gonna be saying this a lot on the pod going forward uh please buy the book i, I did i did work rather hard uh, trying to make it good and uh yeah uh, hopefully it is thanks bye bye everyone